0: Hi, it's Lisa. Welcome back to The Healing Path, a podcast created to connect our broken hearts as we journey into honest conversations about grief and loss in our daily lives. Following the deaths of two of my children, I struggled for many years to fill the holes in my heart. I felt like I tried everything, prayer, meditation, therapy, coaching, reading, journaling, running, waiting, (laughs) you name it. Plus, I tried a few less productive approaches, And after two decades of continuing to grieve, it occurred to me that maybe I'd set the wrong target. Instead of trying to feel better by filling those painful voids, I've learned that building a life around them is a much more worthy goal. The major part of this approach is talking openly about what my grief is like instead of keeping it to myself. With this newfound permission to let all the parts of me be here, I feel more human and less like a robot on autopilot. So I created the Healing Path podcast with the hope that sharing our stories in a mutually compassionate environment will help us to stop working so hard to hide our scars from ourselves and others and start wearing them proudly as the medals of love that they are. So thank you for joining this episode of the Healing Path. Today, I'm chatting about two subjects that drive me nuts, COVID and grief have some things in common. And this post was just shared today on the 25th of August, 2022. COVID and grief have something in common. Not that I'm counting, but I arrived back in the U.S. post-vacation cruise on July 9th, 22. I tested positive for COVID that evening, and I've been sick ever since. If counting was in play... <laughs> I'd say I've been sick for nearly seven weeks, but counting doesn't help me heal and doesn't help me feel better. If you're on any type of spiritual journey, seeking calm, understanding, and peace, you may have noticed that life has a way of testing our theories and our skills. The results of just how well we've trained ourselves become quite clear when we actually try to apply what we think we've learned. Operationalizing our wisdom is truly where the rubber meets the road and seems the hardest thing to do other than sit still when we are sick or we are grieving. But we must realize that without practical application, we are simply librarians of the mind. We can put as much information into our memories as we wish, but without the means to call on them when needed, it's simply a collection of data. It does little to nothing for us if we can't apply it. And this is where I find COVID to have some things in common with grief. We have little to no control over either. With COVID, we can protect ourselves or try with, you know, wearing masks, hand washing and social distancing, but really that doesn't prevent us from getting sick, just like In the grief side of things, we can be grateful for our blessings, but that doesn't shield them from being decimated. It doesn't keep our kids from dying or keep our hearts from breaking open. Another shared trait between COVID and grief, they are both stubborn. (laughs) They are patient, determined, and literally go nowhere unless and until they are ready. They play the long game and they don't wear out wear down, or give up. When experiencing COVID symptoms and or grief, we find the relentless nature of their existence to be annoying as hell. We go to bed at night wishing we weren't sick and or grieving, only to wake up the next day and find, after a few short seconds, that the illness and or the pain is still here. Like a huge rock, that is tied to our waist, no matter where we go or what we do, the weight of both situations holds us down, holds us back, and keeps us stuck, repeating the same cycle of behaviors that we know are not life-giving. You may be hoping this post ends with a solution to the challenges, we'll call them, of COVID and grief, but actually I don't have any. There's no one way to heal from COVID, and there's no one way to heal from grief. But the good news is that there are as many unique paths to be built as there are people in the world. Our goal is to figure out what works in our own idiosyncratic world, given the constraints of our own reality. So how do we build our healing path then? That is the million-dollar question. And I'm still on a journey of discovery about healing from grief and from COVID. But there are some internal gauges we can count on along the way. The gauges come from our gut. They come from our heartstrings. They come from trying things that aren't comforting and sometimes stumbling on things that are. The best litmus test I can offer, and although surely anecdotal, is this. We know we are building our path or destroying it based on how we feel when we act. If we're awake and paying attention away from ameliorative distractions, the best indication of whether some action contributes to or drains away from our healing is the way we feel when we do it and or the way we feel afterwards. If we're not numbing with TV, booze, food, shopping, sex, gambling, gossip, and working all the time, the classification of an action can be revealed by looking within, but we must first be awake in order to reveal what's underneath. Once we allow ourselves to feel, we can decide what best action, if any, is in support of our own well-being and indicated. And then lastly, we have to be bold enough to try changing our habits based on what we find and what we feel. Here's a personal example. We have dear friends that celebrate a certain day of the year annually, and it's quite the gala. The friendship and family circles of our friends reach far and wide. And when we get together for this one day, we see not only our friends, but our friends' friends who have been gathering the same time once a year for decades. For many years, there was not a question as to whether we would attend this annual event. It was assumed that we would, and we did. But over the years, I noticed I didn't feel so hot after attending this annual gathering. I love our friends, but this particular event just never sat well with me. I've shown up year after year with Zach and worked to keep the peace with him for the duration of the event. It's work and a lot of work at that. And I never exactly felt fed after participating. And I don't mean in the food version of (laughs) being fed. There was always a lot of food there. What I felt instead was zapped, zapped of my energy. I also felt some type of hovering resentment, not toward our friends or our friends' friends. It was more like resenting the situation which I can only describe as a relentless, heavy yearning to have a home and a family with children that can eat, that could be healthy and thriving. I didn't realize how much energy, especially emotional effort, it was taking from me to attend this annual party. And I never told anyone, least of all myself. But one year, I allowed myself to show up for myself. I got curious about my decision to continue to participate in something that left me feeling overwhelmed, exhausted, and somewhat envious. That last one, envy, it's not something I feel very often. Despite our challenges and losses, I mostly continue to feel so grateful for my life, my children, even though only one of them remains living. I rarely feel that something else I rarely feel that someone else has something I want and can't have. But when I finally invited my feelings to reveal themselves, questions began to surface, such as, does this feed my soul or hurt it? If I feel badly doing this, why do I continue to do it? Why am I ignoring my feelings? The questions kept coming. Why am I unable (laughs) to honor my own needs? How can I look at this differently? Is there another choice I can make that's more compassionate towards myself? It's taken several years (laughs) to let all this marinate and actually just start answering my own gnawing questions. And ultimately, one year I just opted out of the big event. I showed up for myself as myself, and it was liberating. It was all okay, all at the same time, and the world didn't stop spinning, and I wasn't letting anyone down. By listening to myself and answering my own questions, I stopped doing something that felt bad to me, and in doing so, began to expand this inquiry across the board, not just for galas and friends, but my living situation home, profession, spirituality, friendships, and even my own health were all topics that were bringing me questions, questions that I had known and heard many times but never had the courage to answer. I also, through exploration and experimentation, discovered that these particular friends, the ones with the gala, they're so soulful and loving and I enjoy them very much but only in a small setting where a true connection is possible. And that intimacy, unlike the big party, it does feed me. So I've allowed these friendships to evolve into something more special and continue to feel grateful that we're in each other's lives. So if asking and answering questions is a way to start building a healing path, what else can we do? There is no exact formula. But I've learned it has something to do with allowing ourselves to feel what we feel and then honor those feelings by making choices in support of our own well-being, rather than repeatedly forcing our round hearts into square social and work environments. It's not as simple as do what feels good and don't do what feels bad. There's more nuance to it than that. Our brains are smart, sly, and well-trained. They've been perfecting the principles of race toward pleasure, escape from pain, for as long as we can remember. But it literally is quite simple once we're listening, which when we're in grief or sick with COVID, we are not skilled at doing. We have no practice. We've been coloring our own reality with rose-colored glasses in the hopes that the ickiness, that's a medical term by the way, that the ickiness we may feel in certain situations gets easier. At least with enough margaritas, or insert favorite numbing agent here, at least with enough fill in the blank, we will get through it, whatever it entails for that day. Our brains and emotions are comfortable sleeping on the job, and they are skilled at being dormant. They may tell us how much fun we're having, and this is what we always do, and it's fine. And that is the definition of being asleep. Fine is not a worthy target. Fulfilled, joyful, grateful, present, these are worthy goals. When dealing with stubborn old habits, whether we're sick with COVID symptoms or sick with grief, we need to muster up the courage to run a self-scan inquiry and see how we feel. If we enjoy something and we feel better or richer or an increased sense of calm abiding after participating, we can conclude that this activity is a nurturing one and should be a regular part of building our path. Alternatively, when we let things keep being fine, and over time realize that we haven't even started building our healing path, that we're stuck, and paralyzed even, from illness or pain. Numbing doesn't stop anything. It just dresses it up pretty and waits with devious patience until it can surface. I tried for over two decades to prove this theory wrong, but here I am, writing about what I knew during that time, and tried to persistently drown out. Bottom line, COVID and grief can be debilitating and last for longer periods of time than we can imagine. But the time frame speeds up when we allow ourselves to feel and then make decisions in our own best interest. In the example I provided, it was no problem for me to opt out of that big social event every year. No one was insulted or hurt. And even if they were, (laughs) I'm responsible for my own well-being, not everyone else's. We all have a voice inside. It's hard to hear when there's noise and chaos. And maybe that's why so many people continue to run toward pleasure and away from pain. But that doesn't make it any less genuine or accurate. Our job is to create an environment where we can learn to hear that voice, even invite it to hang out with us. When we do this consistently, we find that not only are we trustworthy and dependable, but that we have the inside track on what we most need. And when we make decisions based on meeting those needs, we're making a path. One stepping stone by one. One little decision at a time. One courageous inquiry after another. This will build our path. We just need to turn down the volume and listen. And the bad news? (laughs) Well, COVID usually goes away, even though it's still lingering in my life. Grief, however, does not... Go away usually, and that's the thing that they share least in common because we can live through a virus, but we cannot survive a broken heart if we are not intentional about letting it be part of our lives. We can numb it up pretty good, but the anesthesia always is in only every time the anesthesia wears off, and that is the magical moment where we have the exquisite opportunity to call on our own agency and decide if we will do the thing that nurtures us or do the thing that becomes our barrier to building our healing path. It isn't really that simple, but it really is that simple. I'm sure you're thinking, yeah, right. It's simple. <laughs> but that is the Healing Path podcast episode for today. And we're we're talking about some pretty big concepts here. And I'm always looking for ways to strengthen my understanding of things. And yeah, looking at COVID and grief together, the COVID thing has me upside down because I have been sick for a really long time. And even though I'm getting better very slowly, i I I've really literally been out of commission almost the whole summer. And it feels like when my daughter died, it feels like when my son died. Um, You go to bed at night, you kind of, you know, whatever way you can get to sleep, you get to sleep and then at some point you wake up, whether it's at 3 a.m. or it's at 6 or 9 or 1 or whatever it might be. And for a split second, we might forget that we're, feeling like crap, that we can't breathe, that we're achy and have a fever and coughing. Just like it only takes a split second, maybe two, when we're really deep in grief and we wake up and for a minute, for not even a minute, we forget how broken we are. And then we remember. And that sucks. And that and COVID, grief and COVID have that in common because the only time we really get a break from it is when we're asleep. So it makes sense that we would want to numb and it makes sense that we would want to go to sleep. But I did write about the idea or the concept of this inside voice, you know, this little voice it should be a super loud voice, but it's way more dignified than that. It doesn't shout at us. Um, it can, but mostly it doesn't. It's just so I think I used the term deviously patient, because it really can outweigh us, even if we think we can outweigh it and outrun it. Um, eventually, COVID and grief <laughs> catch up with us. So thank you for listening to this episode of The Healing Path. And I hope that the example I gave made it easy enough to illustrate this concept of it doesn't have to be big changes that we make in our life to honor that voice and to listen to it and to act in accordance with what we know to be true. It doesn't take moving mountains. It takes consistent checking in with oneself and then making decisions one at a time that are more in service to ourselves and are meeting our own needs than they are in taking care of others. And that has changed um, certainly the last couple years of my life. And again, the first time I decided not to go to that social gathering, I swear, I don't even know if they missed me. They may not have. Or, you know, perhaps someone was disappointed and they didn't share it with me. But either way, it it was a very small decision that I made, but it was so powerful. And when we start making little decisions in support of our own needs and well-being, they come quicker and they're easier and we lament decisions less and we stress less and we listen more and we sit still and we know what the right thing is for us always, always, always if we listen. Um, But yeah, it takes courage to sit still and even more bravery to actually want to know what's there and take it into consideration when we're scheduling out our work week or our, our personal schedules. But my genuine experience is that there's just one really way, one fire way to know what we need. And that's how we feel um, when we do something. And sometimes like take the example of like, okay, cheesecake, I might eat a whole cheesecake because I think it tastes good. So my voice inside might be saying, you deserve this. It's okay. You know, you lost your children or who, nobody would blame you for, you know, eating a whole coffee, cake or cheesecake, whatever. But the truth is, I know underneath that putting that amount of sugar and stuff in my body doesn't feel good. It's not what I need. So if I can hear that and remember that before I act it out, then I spend less energy lamenting and regretting decisions. Other times it's, you know, more obvious that we shouldn't make a particular decision, but sometimes it's It's not so obvious, and I would argue that it's the little things, the small decisions that we start to continuously and consistently change over time that has the biggest effect um, at helping, hopefully not our COVID, but certainly our grief, um, to take a place in our life that's more manageable. It just wants to be seen, Um, and I've talked and written about this extensively, if you're... (laughs) finding any of this resonates, I would love to hear from you on the website at lisamcfarland.com on the blog. There's always space for comments. And thanks so much for listening to this episode. And as always, let's do our best to stay present, stay grateful and stay healing and to definitely not just listen, but to stay acting on our own behalf. Thank you again and have a great weekend.